Hey y'all, this is Kobe R. Rice and I am back again for another creative update. So this is episode number 110 and I, wow, I mean this year has been insanity. I mean, let's just keep it all the way real. This particular episode is going to be my usual end of year 2020 creative achievements roundup where I'll go through all four quarters of the year 2020 and basically we will review and summarize all of the awesome achievements and lessons learned and experiences gained that I've experienced etc throughout the year and if 2020 was not a year to be experienced and learned from, I don't know what year that would be. Um, this has been, I think, probably 2014, no, 20, 2014, 2015 for me personally, and 2019, again, for me personally, were the most personally challenging years for me in the past five years, six years, but 2020 kind of took that to a whole different level. And a lot of my experiences from the past five years dealing with things in my own life, uh, professionally, personally, family-wise, I think really prepared me for the emotional upheavals and the social and sociological, economic and political upheavals that we saw in 2020. Um, we're going to get more into my reactions on 2020 because generally, despite everything that was going on, 2020 was actually a really, really great year for me personally. Macro, socially, sociologically, obviously, it wasn't that great of a year. And um, that is worthy of being acknowledged. And I am a part of this larger world. So whatever happens in the larger world ultimately filters down through our social groups and through us personally. So there's no escaping that. But I actually was one of the ones this year who was fortunate enough to still have a very fruitful and relatively stable year, despite the fact that the pandemic was ravaging the entire world. Um, and the ways in which the pandemic affected me socially and macro socially were very different and sort of contrast, uh, strongly contrasted to the ways that the pandemic affected me individually and internally and creatively. So we'll get into those things and we'll definitely get into all those lessons learned after I give you my creative achievements roundup. But first, let me be proper and appropriate and introduce myself. Hello, my lovely badass creatives. I am Kobe R. Rice um, and this is my podcast. Uh, so I am a novelist, a TV writer, screenwriter, theater teacher currently, director of both theater and film, producer, dramaturg, and at times game designer and game writer, which I also really love and enjoy. And this is the epic fantastical journey of a black female sci-fi writer. And this is episode number 110, which is a lovely, lovely, nice round number, honestly, for my podcast to end on for 2020. So let's just jump right into it. Um, 
at the beginning of 2020, as I do with every single year that I encounter, I always declare it, I always declare that year, that new year, the year of something, right? So the year of the novelist, the year of the filmmaker, the year of the, you know, great diet haver. <laughs> for me, that's every year. I have to reclaim that every year. But this particular year for 2020, I had deemed the year of the television showrunner, the year of the TV writer, the year of the novelist, year of health, body, and glow up, and the year of moving in silence. So whenever I claim that title, year of, et cetera, et cetera, that means that those particular areas of life are what I'm going to be focusing hardcore on throughout the entirety of the year. And just feeling that, thinking that, living that, and speaking that really helped to bring all of those affirmations to um, reality, honestly. And if you don't believe in affirmations or any of like that woo-woo stuff, that's totally fine. Um, you can think of this as me stating a goal very clearly, writing it down, and then achieving that goal. To me, the energy of either one of those perspectives Though the energy is the same, but some of us feel more comfortable being grounded in statistics, reality, and action plans, and others of us feel more comfortable being grounded in uh, the universe, affirmations, alchemy, and transformation on a ethereal level. For me, I have a very healthy balance of both, and that is why, in my opinion, I'm usually pretty successful at get, getting my goals pushed through, because I work in the physical realm and the spiritual-emotional realm, because we are what spiritual emotional and physical beings right um anyway <laughs> let's just jump right into it um so the first question i always ask myself every single year is did i achieve the goals that i set out to achieve for year 2020 and i can tell you guys honestly yes to the to a certain degree i'll put it that way um, I am at the halfway point of achieving all the goals that I wanted to achieve in 2020. I see a lot of those goals manifesting in 2021 for a bunch of reasons. One, usually when I put in goals, one, I put down a lot of goals for that year. You guys, if you've been on this podcast for a while, you know that my goal setting is insane. I have usually about 100 goals that I want to meet um, and eventually I do end up meeting those goals, even if it's not within that time frame. Um, so that's the first thing. And then the other thing is that a lot of these goals, no matter how numerous, are actually longer term goals. Um, so, for example, every single year I want to publish four to five novels, right? Minimum four. Um, and I am very much on my way to do that for 2021. But because of the events for 2020, obviously, things got changed up a little bit. But I was still making progress all throughout 2020 toward that ultimate goal and um, making those little daily tweaks to make sure I can make those goals. So in terms of achieving the goals, have I seen them all come to fruition? Like, do I have these four to five novels in my hand? No, not yet. But do I feel like I have achieved as much as I possibly could and I'm on my way to like manifesting those goals? Absolutely. So I'll say, yes, I'm at a halfway point. Um, I always do a personal check-in, like, you know, my actual identity versus the alter ego of Colby R. Rice because who I am in real life and my alter ego, Colby R. Rice, are the same person, obviously, but, you know, 
in one realm, I am a mother, I am a teacher, I am a daughter, I'm a part of a family, I have my own family, etc. But then in my creative life, I am novelist, screenwriter, TV writer, vampire builder. So I try to partition out my goals and my evaluation of those goals on those two levels. So for my personal goals, I have made some fantastic, phenomenal progress. And I usually don't share those on this channel because they are personal and the world doesn't need to know every single little thing that goes on in your life. Um, but also this channel is focused on like the Colby R. Rice progress. So I do wanna let you guys know though, still on a personal level, I am very much at, again, a really good space to, um, continue manifesting those goals that I had in front of me for 2020. And I've already manifested quite a bit of those goals in the year of 2020. For Kobe R. Rice, we're going to be talking about those goals today. And as I said before, I am making some really great progress towards those goals. Not only that I want to make, make for 2021, but for my ultimate creative plan um, for 2025. So I'm working towards a bunch of different goals short-term goals, medium-term goals, and long-term goals. And I feel like I'm making some really great progress and I'm right on schedule. So um, I'm really, really happy about that. I'm really satisfied in the place that I am, um, despite the fact that the world was ravaged by a pandemic. And um, I do wanna share with you guys a sort of new part of my Creative Achievements Roundup. And those are the skills that I've gained and the lessons that I've learned. So very quickly, the skills that I gained for this year from my teaching life, um, we got like a refresh and an upgrade on like lesson planning skills for high school students and specifically for our charter school network. Um, and that was a challenge, but eventually I was able to overcome the new learning curve and add another valuable skill set to my lesson planning skills, which is great. Um, even though this doesn't necessarily directly apply to my creative goals, if I were to, for example, have a um, high school, middle school component of the Bohemian Badass Online Creative University, I now have some really wonderful um, scaffolding structural skills that I can use to structure out those lessons for the younger audience. So everything is interconnected and I try to pimp everything that I gain to make all of my endeavors a success. Um, I also gained a ton of skills in television writing, definitely a ton of skills in TV series development. I mean, it was like TV series development was the first six months of 2020, and then TV writing was like the next six months of 2020. So that definitely was something I worked on, definitely making that the year of television and TV show running, <laughs> for sure. Um, I also gained a lot of skills in script development and self-editing. You guys already know I'm a dramaturg, and I also um, have been a script development assistant and script reader and um, analyst in the past over various internships, working for production houses, working for most recently a talent management company. Um, and so I am constantly exercising those development dramaturgical skills, but now it was time to turn those skills inward and work on my own stuff and develop my own stuff. And I really have improved in developing a more critical, analytical, objective eye towards my work. When I finally take it out to other people, I will gain even more skills from their perspective, but also like their tools, which is going to be great. Um, I got a huge education or re-education in business establishment, branding design, franchise design, 
and product design. So um, when I was establishing my boutique in July, August, and September, um, Rebel Ragdoll Boutique, if you guys have been paying attention to my podcast, if not, we'll go over that in a few minutes. I got a major education in basically how to establish an online boutique. I already know how to establish a publishing press. I've already established a production house. And now I have branched out into more physical products um, and the branding design, franchise and product design skills that I took from my press and production house um, and my Bohemian Badass website, I brought all of those skills over into Rebel Ragdoll Boutique, but then I had to gain even more skills because, you know, there are many overlap, but, overlaps, but then there's also the fact that we're talking about a fashion boutique versus a publishing press, different industries, different expectations, right? So um, I got a major education in that, and those were my skills, lesson planning, the skills that I've gained, rather. Lesson planning, TV writing, TV series development, script development, self-editing, business establishment, branding design, franchise design, and product design. I learned all of those skills in 2020 just for, and just by focusing on, you know, my product, my products and my projects. So those are the skills. <clears throat> Quickly, lessons learned. Um, Number one lesson is that I applied all the lessons I learned in 2019 to 2020. And in my opinion, my life was so much better for it. So the lesson learned here is when you learn a lesson, apply it as quickly as possible. (laughs) That seems like common sense, but a lot of us are often stuck in a cycle of not applying those lessons and repeating old mistakes, repeating toxic or bad behavior, repeating um, patterns that have been ingrained in us either as children or over time or through just our trials and tribulations that we have gone through in the world. And once you learn a lesson, like learning how to release, learning how to compartmentalize, learning how to keep focused, please apply those so that your life can be better. My life was a lot smoother this year because I applied those lessons. Lesson number two, emotional detachment and boundary setting is so, so key to your happiness and your health, all right? It makes you a lot healthier as a human being by drawing a line between yourself, your stuff, and others' stuff. And I mean family, friends, romantic partners, um, even your children, if you have any children, um, your job, um, any clubs or institutions or groups you're a part of. Like, it's always great to be a part of those things. We are social creatures, as we found out very, very clearly this year. But we also have to know what our limits are and where our boundaries are so that we can maintain a level of health and just wellness. And that lesson that I applied to my own life and my career this year really helped me. I'm so much calmer and more relaxed. Um, And actually, I'm going to add in lesson number three here that wasn't actually there. I'm going to type it in. Um, Lesson number three that I learned is meditation is awesome. It it just gets you centered. It gets you in a good heart space and mind space to start the day and to pursue whatever endeavors you need to pursue and to do it in a healthy, wholesome way. That's number three. Um, Let's see. 
Number four, the moment you sense toxicity, and, a, and I don't care where it's coming from. Again, it can come from people, places, or things. Step all the way back and again, set those boundaries and sometimes you're gonna have to walk away. Um, and there are different ways to walk away. So for example, let's say you are experiencing some kind of toxicity at work, but you still need to go to work. There are ways in which you can still show up to work and do your job, but not be as emotionally, physically, and psychologically tied up in the work drama, all right? Or same thing with a family member, with friends, with a lover, even with your writing, honestly, and your creativity. If you, let, if you feel like there are certain things that are becoming toxic about anything in your life, really figure out what you need to do to set those boundaries. Um, lesson number five, keep your head down and focus on yourself and your dreams. That sounds really selfish, but you know, what can I say? I'm a self full person. I don't consider myself selfish. Um, I give a lot to the people around me, especially to my child, um, who needs to be given to, cause she's a child, but everybody else in your life is an adult. And, you know, within a certain extent, you should always be compassionate and charitable and share yourself, your time and your energy. But at the end of the day, you need to choose you and keep your head down and focus on yourself and your dreams and let other adults handle their adult issues unless, you know, they really, really, really need help. And you'll, if you're very in tune with, you know, what is really going on within yourself and with other people, you'll know when someone really is in dire straits versus when they're crying wolf, okay? So um, as you guys can tell, I've gone through a lot of personal transformation over the past two years, and it's me applying these lessons has been so helpful on all levels, especially for my creativity. Focus on yourself and your dreams. Number six, keep your plans and thoughts on your life close to your chest and do you. Um, you know, I have been learning this the hard way for the past, I don't even know how many years, that um, not everybody is going to be supportive of your dreams. And even if they are supportive, sometimes they within themselves don't have the tools to show that support or they just have such doubt, low self-esteem or even envy sometimes of those of us who are willing to take risks that that toxicity comes out. I had that experience, unfortunately, with um, someone in my life who just couldn't handle whenever I did something new, like when I, you know, or if I had a different opinion, um, like when I opened the boutique, for example, this individual who was supposed to be like really supportive and kind, um, basically told me that it wasn't going to work and, you know, why it was going to fail and I should be ready for failure and da, da 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 And like, I had to take a step back, honestly, if I'm being really real. And I still open my boutique. It's still fly. I actually have my crop hoodie on right now. I don't know if you guys are watching the video version, but I'm just going to turn around really quick. I don't know. You guys can't really see it. Let's see. Yep. <laughs> I'm wearing the crop hoodie, the Bohemian Badass. Um, from the Bohemian Badass, and it is fire. Love it. Yeah, uh, the boutique endures, even though this individual tried to basically hate on it. Um, and it just further affirmed the lesson that I should have learned a long time ago, 
that you just need to keep most of your endeavors close to your chest. Although I have been applying this lesson over the years and I have been telling fewer and fewer and fewer and fewer people about my goals. And I think this is pretty much the last year that I'm gonna tell someone in my close personal circle about anything that I'm doing. Um, as you will recall, I deemed this the year of moving in silence. And for the most part, I did that, um, except for with this one individual. But, you know, sometimes when you have like a really close friend, you think like they'll support you and this person just didn't. So, you know, <clears throat> with most people, unfortunately, um, you have to really gauge who they are and how they feel about themselves as a person. And even then, just share the stuff that you guys have in common with each other and show your success through your action. Let them find out what you're doing through your action. That's what I've learned. Um, 2021 is definitely going to be the year of moving in severe silence um, with the exception of a couple of things and the exception of this podcast because I don't genuinely feel as though people externally can be harmful to me. I feel as though it's always the people who are in your circle who can be the most damaging. Um, anyway, so for the sake of documenting my journey, obviously, you know, I'm going to give out certain things, give you certain milestones after I've already achieved them. That's the key. And that's it. That's, that's lesson number six. Lesson number seven is what I really learned in the past six months. And that is that the best education that you can get in any area is by doing. You can read and that's really wonderful. You can practice, you can build, you can prepare, you can develop, and all those are valuable skills and a part of the process. But the biggest education, I keep saying education, but the biggest education, the best education you can get in any field is just by jumping into it. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> I'm gonna edit that, edit that part out. <laughs> um, if you want to learn how to write a television pilot, read pilots, read some books, do some analysis, do some planning, but you're going to learn how to do it by doing it, okay? By finishing a pilot, by editing a pilot, by analyzing that pilot, by rewriting a pilot, by writing the next pilot, okay? Same thing with screenplays, same thing with novels, same thing with building a chair, building a house, etc. There is a certain period of education and preparation for all of those areas, but then there's a point at which you just have to do it. And you're going to learn a lot more by doing than you would by learning how to do it, if that, if that makes any sense. Um, so that is lesson number seven. Lesson number eight, use deep focus and engage in deep work. I figured this out prior to reading Cal Newport's book deep work but reading that book this year only affirmed what i was living this year and that is it's just a lot easier to get something done when you have a deep level focus on it he goes into all this science and philosophy and um, anecdotal evidence as to why that is the case and why that's true so you should definitely read the book if you're looking for more scientific support for that perspective. But honestly, do learn by doing. Lesson number seven, right? Learn by doing. Focus on one project, go deep into it. Don't leave that project until you are done or 
until you have to. Okay, so I did this with Fraternity, which is the novel that I was working on. I did this with When in Rome, the second major draft, almost a page one rewrite of the whole pilot, honestly. And I feel like I got, oh, and I did this also with P.I. Sleuths, which is the other pilot I worked on and then submitted this year. I feel like I got a lot more done on that level by engaging with each one of these projects deeply than I would have gotten done if I had been spreading myself thin. So that is my lesson number eight. And my final lesson is always set your intentions with clarity and focus and then act. Again, you know, my perspective might be a little bit too woo-woo for some people, but I do like to balance it out, again, with logic and goals. But if you set an intention, a goal, so to speak, write it down, focus on it, and then actually make incremental movements and progress toward that goal, you will fulfill that goal, barring death or being maimed or being somehow psychologically or mentally incapacitated, which can happen to anyone, but of course, putting out good vibes into the universe. Short of any of those things happening, you will achieve your goal. Um, and it's really about the journey of a thousand steps. Even if it's a massive goal, you set your intention and then you act and you make incremental progress toward that goal and you will achieve it. Um, that is the, it's not really the lesson that I learned. It's just the lesson that continues to crop up every single year when I do these roundups. So I hope that these nine lessons in total have been helpful for you in some way or resonate with you in some way. We're going to just jump right into what I have achieved this year by following each of those nine lessons. And we're going to just jump really quickly into theater teaching because it's the time it's the subject that I want to spend the least amount of time on, to be frank, because um, it's not really how I primarily identify as an artist, but it is a huge part of my life. And um, theater teaching obviously was thrown completely into whack, sorry, out of whack <laughs> because of COVID. Um, I'll admit January and February were really, really rough months for our network um, in terms of just all of the challenges that come along with um, just being a teacher and, um, you know, working within a network. And uh, in many ways, I was still adjusting because if you recall, I had only started that job on September 2019. So by the time we hit January of this year, I had only had four months on the job at that point. And February and January of this year were the two hardest months. Those sort of rounded out my first six months of the job. And those were really challenging for me. Um, but the major things that I was able to, that I, that I accomplished during that time were that I created a really amazing dramatic writing, dramatic storytelling unit for my kids, which was focusing on writing, editing, and publishing plays. Um, that was for January and February. And, you know, for some of them, they did not enjoy it. Others of them did enjoy it. And it was a challenge because sometimes kids don't like to write, but that was a skill that they were required to learn in my class. And it went very well. We got back maybe 50 or 60 pieces of work that we can now dramaturg, edit, and hopefully publish 
by the end of this school year, which will be the end of June 2021. So even though we didn't get a chance to do it last year due to COVID, I do want to reprise that entire project and have give them a published work in their hands with their work in it by the end of June. Um, <clears throat> the other thing that I was involved in for theater teaching was that I was in the middle of co-directing The Color Purple, the musical, which was really lovely and really amazing. And we had such an amazing cast and I'm just really, really super proud of our girls. It was an all, it was going to be an all female production of The Color Purple. <clears throat> and we were super excited. We had a lot of talent and we had a lot of dedication and the rehearsals were just really fun. And honestly, I missed that. Excuse me while I take a drink of water, ice water. <clears throat> All right, y'all. <clears throat> so that was really fantastic. And then, <laughs> of course, as of March 11th, we went into quarantine because of the COVID pandemic. And... <clears throat> In many ways, it was a challenge because I had to then convert what I was doing into a virtual space, which actually, because we were in the middle of a writing unit, that actually wasn't that challenging for me to finish out that entire trimester virtually because you can write anywhere. You don't have to be in a physical space, in people's faces to write. And so um, in many ways, COVID actually provided a really wonderful opportunity for me to translate what was already really translatable to an online setting. The real challenge came when we hit the last and final trimester, trimester three, and I decided that I was going to teach a unit on directing. And, you know, this was definitely where I had to think about, okay, as a theater teacher, how do I provide a curriculum that makes sense, but also still deals with the realities of virtual learning and also teaches these kids theatrical skills. And I decided then to teach them something else that you don't have to really be in people's faces to do, which is pre-production and development or the directorial process in film and television and in theater. And I created a really amazing, I'm just gonna, I have to just give myself props. I know that sounds a little bit, um, braggadocious, but I'm just speaking facts. My program was amazing, so amazing that unfortunately someone who was leaving the network in the charter school decided to download all of my lesson plans and take them with her um, without my permission. So that was really challenging for the year of 2020. Um, but because again, I am trying to just emotionally and psychologically detach from toxicity, we're not gonna go down that road, but it was very much resonant of a lot of crazy things I had gone through literally around the same time in 2019, um, which is why I learned to keep stuff close to the chest. But unfortunately, when it comes to lesson planning um, at a network, you at least at this network, we're required to share our lesson plans. Um, but now my lesson plans are floating outside of the network somewhere in the possession of someone who has just left. <laughs> so um, that was disappointing, but it was also affirming 
because it makes me know that my lessons are bomb. (laughs) They're just the bomb. And the fact that I was able to teach these kids how to direct on a virtual learning space, I think is pretty awesome. So I would say in many ways, theater teaching during COVID and then this fall, um, was very successful. And I say that because of not only the dramatic storytelling unit that I put together and the directorial unit that I put together, but also because of my um, fall unit from September until December, I was able to teach, I would say some basic storytelling, theatrical and dramatic concepts by screening Hamilton with my class. And I mean Hamilton the musical. And that was also a very successful unit. My kids loved it. They learned a lot in terms of uh, the concepts, like basic concepts, like theme, act breaks, um, irony, dramatic irony, character arc, character foil, just basic concepts that you need to know in order to be a good storyteller in any medium. We studied those concepts as well as American history, as well as black and brown bodies in theater on stage and what that signifies all through our study of Hamilton and American musical. So I am so thankful for Lin-Manuel Miranda for just being amazing and putting that show together and knocking out the park because I feel as though it was a perfect, it provided a perfect convergence of everything that I wanted my kids to learn in an introductory unit for theater across all of my grade levels. So overall, I would say that this year in teaching was pretty insane, but what I learned was that I can handle it and I am the bomb and um, I am adaptable. I can teach my knowledge both virtually and in the physical space and that theater, film, and television are not, not necessarily interchangeable, but certainly they speak the same language. And they would, because theater came thousands of years before film and TV were, were even things in our consciousness and in our physical reality. So a lot of what we do in film and television anyway is based on theater. So they are all conversant with each other. And I am really grateful for that. So um, I would say that for 2020, even though, again, theater teaching is a part of my sort of real physical life that's sort of outside of my creative achievements and creative self as Colby R. Rice, I feel as though teaching has really been successful this year and has made me a better creative, a better person, and a better mom. Also, FYI, as I was teaching full-time, my daughter is home because we're all in quarantine and half of my days will be teaching my kids and doing lesson plans and meetings and advisory calls and stuff like that. And then the other half of my day would literally be homeschooling my daughter and making sure that she's doing everything that she needs to do. And it has been a challenge. Like every single day, it was just the schedule has been crazy. But I've been really proud of that. All right. So novel writing for 2020. Okay. Year of the novelist, indeed. So the first major achievement I basically manifested was that the audiobook version of the third book of Ezekiel, The Lock-In, finally, finally published. I had hit publish on it 
at the end of 2019, but it didn't actually get published until 2020. So it's a sort of weird uh, creative achievement that I don't know, can I take credit for that in 2020? <laughs> Technically, if it wasn't published in 2019, then I can't really claim it on my 2019 goals, right? Um, so I just claim it as a 2020 achievement. Nowadays, getting anything through ACX is a major achievement. And I do want to point out for you novelists who are listening to this, that we are soon going to see Amazon competing very fiercely in the market for audiobook distribution. Okay. I see find a way voices out here doing their thing. And now book funnel is out here trying to drag and read for filth and foolishness. And so far, I actually really love their app and their audiobook setup that's going on. And I think a lot of us novelists, as much as we love Amazon and appreciate Amazon for opening up the world to independent publishers, um, we that doesn't mean that we are enslaved to Amazon and we are allowed to shop for what is best for our personal businesses. And um, I think a lot of us are not particularly pleased with the audiobook structure at Amazon because it's honestly pretty exploitative without providing the services that we're looking for. So I'm looking forward to um, Book Funnel and Find Away Voices and other audiobook distributors um, to give, I'm looking forward to them giving Amazon a run for its money. That's how I feel. We're in a capitalist society, so I'm, I'm allowed to be happy about competition, all right? Um, Either way, the audiobook got published. It is published in a non-exclusive agreement currently on ACX. And by the, oh, I'm so excited. I'm not talking about 2021 on this podcast so much, but a quick note, this is the year that all the other contracts for my audiobooks, that means for the given, the taken, those contracts expire. So I will be able to now, to then be a free agent who can distribute more independently through book funnel, through, you know, individual distributors, et cetera. And I am so excited about that. Anyway, we'll talk more about that in my plans for 2021 um, for those creative goals. That's a different podcast. Um, so aside from publishing the audiobook, The Lock-In Number 3, I also wrote 36,000 plus words for Fraternity, which is book number four in the books of Ezekiel. And again, I'm talking about from January 1st to December 31st. I wrote over 500 words for The House of Death, which is Books of Ezekiel number 10. I wrote over 300 words for The Haunt, which is Books of Ezekiel number 6. And then I wrote almost 200 words for The Iron Maiden, which is Books of Ezekiel number 7. I also did a little bit of work on Hollow Point, not enough to merit really like a, a place <laughs> in my 2020 roundup because um, it was mostly plot development and cleaning up of that manuscript. And Hollow Point is book number five. So in all, I worked on books four, five, six, seven, and 10 for this year. And of course, I made the most progress on book number four because that is the one that is coming up for release in February of 2021. And the majority of that novel writing honestly took place in I would say October to December so that was like the final quarter of the year first half of the year I was dealing mostly with transitioning um, through the COVID pandemic and teaching full-time homeschooling and just dealing with all of those transitions you know just the first quarter of this year 
didn't really show much productivity in anything except for theater teaching and dealing with the pandemic. Second quarter overall was, again, still dealing and adjusting to the pandemic, getting steady with my theater teaching, but then also diving really heavily into some creative rehabilitation of my spirit because I had not been able to do so much in the beginning of 2020 or at the end of 2019, to be really honest. So um, not much novel writing in the first half of the year, more so in the second half of the year. And um, basically during the month of July is when I plotted out the entire fraternity novel and every single person's plot line, because there's like a few characters that we follow aside from Ezekiel. Then August, I took a break and I was doing the boutique. And then as of September, all the way to December, that's when I delved much more deeply into writing fraternity. So that's my final tally on novel writing. Next up is TV writing and series development for both television and novels. This is where I really shined in 2020 when it came to the work that I put in, when it came to the progress that I made, and when it came to the lessons that I learned. Because I spent the majority of the year either developing TV series, sort of like as an independent showrunner, or writing them by working on the pilot. So we're just going to take it from Q1 all the way to Q4. Actually, let me give you the final tallies first, then I'll walk you through. For TV writing, um, for 2020, I ended up working on four pilots. The Surrogate Pilot, Ezekiel Pilot, Asylum Pilot, and the Sandman Pilot. Okay. I also finished writing and editing my first draft of P.I. Sleuths, which is another pilot that I worked on mostly during the months of October and November. I think it's actually primarily through November. And I then submitted that pilot to the Sesame Street Writers Workshop. So those were like two major, major accomplishments. I put in my first television writers fellowship application at Sesame Street Writers Workshop. I keep forgetting what it's actually called. Um, then, my major, my other major accomplishments included the complete rewriting and intense editing of um, another major draft of When in Rome, which as you guys know is a cyberpunk noir adaptation of Shakespeare's Roman history tetralogy. So the first draft was good, but this draft is fire and I really love it. And the themes come out really strongly. The only thing I think I'm, I'm working on is just like knowing when to cut off certain character storylines in the pilot. <laughs> so I'm still working on that. But I basically finished that draft, that major draft. I'm applying all the edits now. And by January 5th, really January 4th, if we're being really real, I will submit that along with an application packet to the next TV Writers Fellowship, which is called the Circle of Confusions, Circle of Confusions, excuse me, Writer Discovery Fellowship. It's a wonderful fellowship for writers of color who are up and coming, who are aspiring, who are emerging, who need a mentor out of the industry to help develop their pilot, their work, and their voice and portfolio. So <clears throat> the first draft of that entire application, including the When in Rome pilot, is done. Now it's just about making those tiny tweaks, those tiny edits, those polishes, the, you know, just, just 
you know, doing a little spit shine on the application to make sure it's the best it can be, and then just sending that along. So that'll be happening by January 4th, but I was able to do a major first draft of the app as well as a major rewrite slash second draft of When in Rome. So in addition to all of that, as I said before, I worked on those four pilots and those four, four series. And for TV writing, that was a massive accomplishment for me. For series development for both novels and television, just a little note, you guys, if you've watched this podcast before, um, you know that every single novel series I develop, I am developing with it being a TV series in my mind as well. So for me, because I deal in transmedia, I believe in an IP, aka intellectual property, being translatable to multiple formats. I always develop my novel series ideas with the idea in my mind that it will eventually be a television series because that is what I want to do, whether in mainstream Hollywood or independently as an independent showrunner at my own production house, network, and studio. Anything that I develop into a novel series will become a television series in some way, shape, or form, okay? Because there are different television series formats. There's limited series, there's episodic, there's serialized, um, etc. There's web series, and, you know, in my opinion, um, not all novels are necessarily adaptable to the television medium, but the ones that I write are. <laughs> so that's how I work. So having said that, the successes that I have achieved for series development this year was that I continued developing seven series that includes the Surrogate series, the Ezekiel series, the Sons of Exodus series, which is essentially a prequel series to the Books of Ezekiel TV series, the Asylum series, the Sandman series, which is now going to be called Body Bag. I'm changing the name of that. The When in Rome series, I continue to, de to develop that one. And then the P.I. Sleuth television series. Because FYI, when you are writing a pilot to submit to anything, whether it's a fellowship, a contest, an agent, manager, exec producer, if they're thinking about picking it up, they do need to know that you have a TV Bible ready for them, which lays out the world, the characters, the um, episodes that you would see or experience in a single season. They want to see the uh, the season arc. They want to see the series arc. So you design season number one with 22 episodes, but they want to see what seasons two, three, four, and five are looking like as well. So you need to have ideas about that. And then, of course, you want to add on the little trims and bells and whistles when you're talking about theme, um, same but different. Like how does this series tap into what people already love but give them something different? and um, why you are the perfect writer to write this series. So that's a little bit of a side note, but it's very important to add those elements. And that is what I was working on pretty much all throughout 2020. In addition to actually writing the pilots, writing fellowship applications and submitting them, I was also developing series. And again, because my series both count as TV series and novel series, this only helps me to further set the foundation to continue producing novels in these series as the years go on, all right? So um, let me just take you through each quarter when it comes to writing and series development. For January to March, which is quarter one, I worked specifically on my surrogate series. Surrogate is very much a survival horror dystopian series and 
it sort of deals in the issues of pandemic without it being a pandemic. That's the most I can really tell you about it. I'm keeping that project super close to my chest. Um, but because we were in the ether, we were in it <laughs> between March and May of this year, that is where my writing spirit was taking me. I was writing a whole bunch of actual pages for the surrogate pilot. And I was developing a lot of the world and the characters and the lore and the monsters or whatever for the surrogate series as a whole. So I primarily, I primarily focused on developing the surrogate series throughout January to March. And that spilled over a little bit from April, April to June. Um, in April to June, I then did another dystopian series that's in my docket right now, which is called the Asylum Series. And I wrote a few pages for that actual pilot. And then I also uh, did a lot of world building and plotting out for the series during that time as well. That's from April to June, that's Q2. And during Q2, even though I focused on Asylum originally, like maybe towards April, mostly during April, a little bit during May, um, I discovered this really amazing app. It's an online app called Writer's Room Pro, and it allowed, it basically was designed for showrunners who were currently running writer's rooms or staffing for writer's rooms. It allowed them access to an online software system wherein writers can still collaborate on Zoom, but then also collaborate in a writing sense on these um, boards. Like these, this, the same kind of boards you would see in a showrunner's room, the Writer's Room Pro app provided those boards, but online. So you could still run a writer's room with your writers being unable to come in, and you could still have boards and note cards and stuff like that, but it just was all online. And when I discovered that, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to use this software because even though, again, I'm not a TV showrunner recognized by the mainstream industry, I still consider myself of the showrunner spirit because I'm developing television series independently. Um, because that's just what I love to do. It's so fun, guys. Like, this is just what I, I was born to do this. You have to understand. Um, and of course, because it does the double work of developing the all the background that I need for my novel series, me developing TV series is never a waste of time. Me developing novel series is never a waste of time. To me, they're essentially interchangeable. Now, I will pause here and say that this perspective that I have of being a TV showrunner, but in the novel world, actually is coming back to really help me because a couple of the fellowships I'm applying for in February require me to submit all the materials that I mentioned to you that a showrunner or a creator of a show typically would create when trying to pitch his whole show to a network or a studio. So they need, again, the characters, the world building, the pilot structure, the series structure, the season structure. What is the theme? Why is the theme important? Like every single thing that I develop independently as an independent showrunner is exactly what one of these fellowships is looking for. So for me, that is just like life in the universe affirming that this showrunner mentality that I have outside of the industry 
is exactly what the industry is looking for. <laughs> um, so I'm really happy about that. And that means that this particular application is not going to be as much work because I have spent the entirety of 2020, specifically the first six months, developing series with all of these different components that are now being requested of this fellowship. So I'm really happy about that. But anyway, during Q2, after discovering Writer's Room Pro, I'll actually link you to their website below because I think it's really helpful. Um, I worked on the Surrogate series, Ezekiel series, When in Rome, Asylum Sandman, and the Sons of Exodus. So all of those series were being worked on just very gloriously and happily during April to June. I will say this, that me working on those six to seven series at the same time completely flies in the face of the advice that I just gave like maybe 30 minutes ago when it comes to deep work and deep focus. But I gave myself permission to do this because we were in a pandemic and I just needed to feel something in my spirit. <laughs> I just needed to be alive. Um, and I had so much fun and being able to dabble in series development across different projects and move all of my projects forward pretty much in an unbridled, unadulterated way just brought so much healing and so much happiness and so much creative freedom to me. It made my life very happy and made me feel very centered after a very long time of not being able to focus primarily on my creativity. Because 2019 was an extremely rough year for me. Um, on a personal level and to a certain degree on a creative and professional level. Um, I came through it, but it was a rough year. So this first six months was a time for me to frolic and play and be happy and just enjoy my creative best life. And that's exactly what I did. So for Q3, when it came to TV writing and series development, um, I actually didn't write much actual television. I didn't write many pages during actually I don't know if I write and if I wrote any pages at all during Q3 um, but what I did do uh, was do some serious development during Q3 um, I worked a lot on, on the Sons of Exodus prequel series again it's not because I want to deliberately sort of just ignore the books of Ezekiel but as I write the books of Ezekiel writing the prequel series gives the current series a lot more depth and I can do a lot more planning, I can create a lot more drama, and I can also do a lot more hiding of certain Easter eggs and plot drops and hints to the past or what have you in the present series if I'm working on the past prequel series at the same time. So this was a lot of, I loved working on Sons of Exodus. I love that series already. It's gonna be a five book series and um, the plot is fire. I mean, it's harrowing, but it's fire. And it really does explain a lot of what, rather how certain characters behave <laughs> in this current series. So I'm excited about that very much so. And I worked on that during Q3. That was also the time, Q3, by the way, is from July 1st to September 30th. I was also during the time that I finished the plot for Fraternity, which is book number four of my series, of the Books of Ezekiel series. I finished that plot during the month of July. So that was a day in, day out, eight hours a day, me just typing, summarizing, planning out scenes, things of that nature. And it was very necessary work, but it was challenging work. And I really just put my foot in that. Um... I also worked on plot development for my main characters for the other books of Ezekiel in the series. 
And then for October to December, that is like I told you guys before, that is when I really went hard on rewriting When in Rome, writing my new pilot, P.I. Sleuths, and then working um, when I could on the Ezekiel pilot. So I did a lot of, like I said before, maybe preparation and development in the first half of the year. And then in the second half of the year, I executed and I just jumped right into it. And I did my thing. I wrote my pilots. I edited my pilots. I had like a table read from one of my pilots although there was only one person at the table read so they claim that you know it's not a table read but to me if you're at a table reading a script for my benefit because I'm listening for pacing etc it's a table read that's how I see it <laughs> and we'll be having many more table reads in the future honestly when it comes to me developing and editing my pilots I do want to get maybe about five to six actors seven actors that I can get on a call maybe once a month to read out a pilot. I'll pay them um, and it'll just be like a nice way to help get actors paid, but also help me to develop my work by hearing it. So that's something that's gonna be coming in 2021, but I am not talking about 2021 right now. <laughs> um, and let's see, the other major thing that I did before I move on to like the last part of this creative roundup is that I created two major editing tools for editing TV pilots. One of them is an editing checklist. All of the things that I think are important to capture by a character arc, by act, by theme, by world building, when you're looking at dialogue versus when you're looking at action, etc. So honestly, it's the checklist is a combination of several mini checklists that I go through now when I'm developing a pilot um, and after I've written a draft and I'm excited about that so it's a checklist and I also created a character arc and act level editing sheet so I can see objectively and quantitatively how long each act is and why how long each scene is and why how long if we have multiple characters how long each character is in terms of pages and why, and uh, making sure that there's balance between characters, between acts, between scenes. And just having this sheet is really helpful for me to understand how certain aspects of the pilot might be affecting pacing or one's understanding of the story. Also, it helps me to figure out if I have, for example, a five-page scene somewhere, I know that if every, if every other scene is two pages, I need to target that five page scene and edit it down. So it's a very complex, but very useful and helpful quantitative system that allows me to get a more objective bird's eye view of my script. There are certain things that you know intrinsically you have to do for character, for voice, for theme, but then there are certain things that in my opinion are just mathematical, quantitative and objective that I think we need to look at. So again, this is like, the ethereal meeting the physical realm, right? And that is what I've been doing for TV development. This is the longest chunk of my um, Roundup podcast because it was the biggest chunk of my life in 2020. But we are going to get finally into the last part of this podcast. Well, the second to last part of this podcast. And we're going to talk about the businesses that I created this year.
right y'all now is the time we're going to jump into the business creative achievements roundup portion of this podcast um you guys know that every single year i do like to give a report on the progress of the businesses i am trying to grow under the rebel ragdoll vampire brand vampire umbrella and this year was honestly the year of the bohemian badass rebel ragdoll boutique and rebel ragdoll beauty If Q1 and Q2 of this year were mostly about theater teaching and TV series development and just creative resurrection, then I would say that Q3 was the point at which the businesses really got most of my attention. So Q4 is mostly novel writing and TV writing, but Q3 is really where the businesses got a lot of energy. So in the beginning, in I would say from April to June, so that's about Q2, I did start jumping on the continuation of the development of The Bohemian Badass's first real mega course called Plotting Like a Badass. I have a lot of ideas about plotting. I feel like I'm really good at plotting. That's just my personal opinion. Um, And I worked on that around late June and into the beginning of July and um, Q3, basically. So that basically got my attention in June and July, the Bohemian Badass. But what really got my attention, mostly during the month of August, was me establishing Rebel Ragdoll Boutique. So you guys know that this year I opened a fashion boutique. If you did not know, you can feel free to check out episode 108 of this podcast. I think that was my Q3 creative achievements roundup. And it's literally called that plus I opened a fashion boutique. (laughs) Um, And guys, it was so much fun, honestly, just developing the website, conceptualizing the brand, thinking about how Rebel Ragdoll Boutique was going to be an extension of my current brand and not just the current brand of being a rebel ragdoll, which is like a sexy, independent, fully formed, badass woman in genres and places that she is not supposed to be in, quote unquote. It's not just about extending that brand, but it was also about figuring out how to bring my novel series and those intellectual properties again into a different merchandising transmedia space so there are different lines and product lines and fashion lines at rebel ragdoll boutique that are being developed now some of them are completely about just being cute and finding cute clothes that you can't find anywhere else which i have an inventory right now um, which are going to get my rebel ragdoll logo in them as of 2021 so those are almost ready to be sold online. But another aspect is that it's about me extending my brand, like putting the Bohemian Badass and that awesome logo on a pair of yoga pants or on a um, exercise outfit or even on the back of a crop hoodie, etc. So using Rebel Ragdoll Boutique to extend my brands, to extend the Bohemian Badass brand, to extend the Rebel Ragdoll brand, 
to extend the Afro Dystopia brand. Because Rebel Ragdoll, if you you should know this, but maybe you don't, has um, a logo that is specifically a futuristic dystopian Afro chick with an Afro and a gas mask on. And the logo is fire. I love the logo. I was like, this logo needs to go on some pants or on the back of a crop hoodie or on the back of a crop sweatshirt or on a t-shirt or on a bag. So it's not just about merch and swag per se. It's also about extending the brand. And I'm also using images from the Books of Ezekiel series and putting those on different brand lines and fashion lines, etc. So you have you will have, we will have a section of Rebel Ragdoll Boutique that deals specifically with brand extension and IP extension. And then you'll have another section of the boutique that's just about sexy, cute clothes, shoes, bags, outfits that don't necessarily have my IP on them, but just have the Rebel Ragdoll hang tag or have the Rebel Ragdoll care label stitched inside. So it's sort of serving a dual purpose. And also, I just love fashion. Um, (laughs) I say this ironically, um, not ironically, but I say this even though it seems ironic because, you know, when I usually come on here, I have like a hoodie on or I have like a head wrap on. So I look like I don't dress for anything, but we have been in a, a, we have been in a pandemic. Um, (laughs) But in my, like I said, in my alternate other life that is outside of Kobe R. Rice. I love shopping. I love shoes. I love accessories. I love eyeshadow. I love um, just really classy, sexy apparel. And um, I just finally wanted to get into that mode of expression with Rebel Ragdoll Boutique. So I spent a lot of time in Q3 establishing everything I needed to establish with Rebel Ragdoll Boutique from the actual infrastructure and for the formation of an LLC to the online social media and website branding to the actual fashion design and product design because I did have to design a majority of those products to the actual finding of wholesalers and um, places wherein I can source out that sexy product that others can't really find very readily online. Like I went through the entire process of both designing my own stuff and also importing my own stuff to sell with my label. So that was a really wonderful experience. I'm really excited that I've made that a part of my brand, my business, and a part of my life. So that was a major, major accomplishment in 2020, just the establishment of a fashion boutique. And the other thing that I did was that I also started to develop the, I would say the first few steps of what it would take to establish a beauty and cosmetics line. And I showed this in Q4, in the Q4 roundup, but I'm going to show you guys as well. We got, I got our first line of cosmetics back from a cosmetics producer in the United States. It's a lip plumper that comes in two different flavors for now. I'm going to expand that later, but we have cinnamon and we have, I believe, vanilla. And I just want to show you what our logo looks like on these cosmetics. Just hold on. 
So the logo's not on the box yet. That's something that I do wanna fix for those of you who can actually see this and are watching the video version, okay? It's not on the box, but we are gonna get the boxes designed, so don't worry about that. I wanna show you the actual logo on the actual tube. Let's see. Voila, isn't that cute? I love it, I love it. And this lip plumper, this Rebel Ragdoll lip plumper is the first of many, many, many cosmetics that we're gonna be selling at rebelragdollbeauty.com when it is open. Of course, um, I'm not gonna be opening Rebel Ragdoll Beauty now because I still wanna make sure that I'm growing the boutique and I also need to just do a lot more work for Rebel Ragdoll Beauty for getting it set up to sell cosmetics and stuff like that. But that is certainly coming. I'm gonna talk more about that on the 2021 podcast, but I did want to show off our first line of cosmetics because that was an achievement, a creative achievement for 2020. So in short, I would say I did, as a final tally, some great creative production for The Bohemian Badass. I built and established the Rebel Ragdoll Boutique, and I also built, to a certain degree, built up Rebel Ragdoll Beauty, all right? I also, just on a business perspective, delved back into getting the marketing back on point for Rebel Ragdoll Press. And... You guys sort of got hints of this in 2019 and 2020, but there were some things that happened creatively and professionally in the indie author world with me um, in 2019 that really turned me off to marketing and collaboration, specifically collaboration. And I just decided that I needed to take a step back and just focus on my individual progress and products and projects and just take a breather from the very toxic things that had happened and had unfolded in 2019. And so for a while, what that meant was is that I shut down the majority of my marketing efforts. I did not participate in newsletter swaps either in the, for the rest of 2019 or for this year. I didn't really participate in the author community that much. And um, I mean, I even, I, as much as I hate saying this, I even barely uh, reached out to my mailing list. Um, I sort of, I did occasionally, I would say maybe I sent out four emails this year or something like that, two or three, no, three to four emails maybe. Um, but I was just taking a huge step back and just reevaluating what I wanted to do as a creative entrepreneur. As of 2021, I'll be ready to jump back into the fray, but because I wasn't ready this year, I didn't do much marketing. But towards the end of the year, I did start creating a marketing launch strategy and I did reach out to my mailing list this year for the launch of Fraternity, which is book number four in the series. So I did reinvigorate my book marketing at Rebel Ragdoll Press. Um, the other thing that I did, the other major conclusion or culmination that happened for me with regard to business was that I decided that I want help. 
<laughs> That's what I want. I want help and I need help. And I will be hiring help as of 2021. Again, I'll discuss that in the 2021 Looking Forward podcast. But that is the major conclusion and culmination I came to this year is that I am really amazing at creative production. I am great at building series, at building franchises, at building worlds, at building products, at dreaming up the next new innovative cool thing, cool idea, and then designing that idea and getting that idea made and executed. No matter how quickly or how slowly, that is what that is my particular wheelhouse. Uh, wheelhouse <laughs> is design, creativity, and production. What I'm weak on and what I really need assistance with is marketing and selling. I've learned a lot about marketing and selling for publishing and for my press, but I need to develop more of a marketing and selling muscle for the Bohemian Badass, for Rebel Ragdoll Boutique, Rebel Ragdoll Beauty, and for my production house, which is going to be working on its first TV series very soon, and also for the press. I just want a team. I want a team who is in charge of that and um, that's not me not wanting to learn marketing. It's just that I don't want my businesses to suffer, languish, linger, and shrivel up while I am taking time to learn all the ins and outs of marketing on Instagram, social media, you know, mailing lists and stuff like that. I need that to be ongoing. So that was my major conclusion that I will be getting a team to help me grow my businesses with a marketing and social media standpoint. Okay, so um, that is what I've learned in the business realm. And then now we are coming to the final portion of the podcast, which is like a wrap up on creative uni, health and wellness, and all like the fun, cool stuff that I did, you know, for 2020 that really helped me to survive the pandemic. Okay, my lovely badass creatives, I'm honestly really happy to get to this point in the podcast one, because recording these roundups <laughs> take a lot of energy and a lot of time. Um, secondly, because uh, I am actually kind of superstitious. Today is New Year's and I don't really like recording things about past events on New Year's Day. So I'm trying to get this done as quickly as possible so I don't have to spend any more time on that. But the third reason why I'm excited is because this is the most exciting part of the podcast in my personal opinion because it deals all with like all the ways in which I was able to just like have fun and live my best life. Of course, starting businesses is really fun and amazing and you know, writing three pilots is fun and amazing and working on seven series and um almost finishing my fourth novel, those are all fun and amazing things in addition to, you know, working and being a mom and all of that. And I'm really proud of those accomplishments. But what I'm proudest of, I think, was my ability to engage in self-care. And this was really, really important because, you know, the pandemic was crazy. I mean, we came through so many things this year. We had the pandemic and then we had all of those riots after the death of Mr. Floyd, George Floyd, um, you know, where literally our country was burning. And I had, I was honestly, I was of the mindset of Dracarys with the way that things had been going. 
I was just like, if y'all want to say Jerkaris, then, you know, whatever. I'm not going to say anything about that. But um, obviously very much a supporter of Black Lives Matter, very much a supporter of um, people of color, the BIPOC community, the LGBTQIA plus community, um, and any marginalized communities as well. That includes people who um, might not might not identify as um, gay, queer, LGBTQ, or a person of color, but who are just marginalized. That includes people, you know, in Appalachia, um, people who are living in trailer parks, you know what I'm saying, who might not, might not be people of color, but are still suffering economically and opportunities-wise. Like, this was a year, I think, of upheaval and of breaking systems. I mean, well, the attempts to break systems, because I don't know what really has changed um, on a macro social level, but I do believe massive change is coming. And this was really just the beginning of it. And um, all of that on top of a pandemic where people are dying, people are pushing back against health regulations and mask wearing. Um, you know, unfortunately, people, you know, were losing their jobs because everything was shut down. Um, we lost a lot of really influential, impactful people this year. I mean, the year started off with Kobe Bryant dying in a helicopter accident. Um, and, you know, the most recent death of really prominent figure included Joe Clark, who was basically the subject of Lean On Me, which is a movie where Morgan Freeman played Joe Clark as like a really badass, no-nonsense principal and educator in New Jersey who turned around the school that he came to basically heal and repair. Um, we just, we lost so many, so many great people, um, just on a celebrity level, but also on a personal family friend level. And it's just been a very challenging year. A lot of people were dealing with mental illness. A lot of people were dealing with domestic violence. Like for some of us, honestly, no matter how shitty the job is, the job saves us from the abuse that we have to endure at home. And, you know, I have very personal experience with that. Again, that's a personal sort of non-Colby related thing, but it's still relevant. And so, you know, I'm right there with y'all guys in terms of all the things that could have and did go wrong on any level in life. And um, we're all, we were all dealing with all these different things. And so this year has been a very hard year. And I do believe that 2021 will bring better times, but we probably won't see those until around summertime. I'm just going to be honest. In the meantime, I encourage you guys to really find something in life that turns you on, makes you happy, makes you proud, makes you comfortable, makes you just feel free. I want to share with you guys what those things were for me. So I did make some um, important strides where it came to health, wellness, fitness, diet. I honestly, I vacillated back and forth because sometimes I didn't have time to engage in certain exercises or cooking at home. And I'm still working on all of that. But in terms of sleep, in terms of just emotional wellness, psychological wellness, feeling a sense of calm and peace and, you know, just honestly, just having the world go quiet for a little bit was actually very good for me personally um, because I had not had much time to engage in those things in the, you know, in the six months before COVID hit. 
So as of September 2019, up until March of 2020, I was on it all day, every day, all day, every day, to the point where I like literally lost 10 pounds. I was so stressed out. I wasn't eating as well as I should. Um, I had to get up, I had to leave the house at six. I had to get up at 4.30 to get to work by 7.30. I would get home by 8.30, 9 o'clock, have to feed the kid, bathe the kid, get the kid ready for bed, and then we would be up and at him only seven hours later again. It was very stressful. It was very unnatural and not very supportive of like my health. And so when the quarantine hit, it was actually very good for me. Pandemic was horrible. COVID-19 is and was horrible. But quarantine actually really helped me personally on several levels and helped me to reconnect with who I am creatively and just as a person, as a woman. So my health and wellness really shot through the roof this year. And I'm a little bit nervous because I'm wondering if I'll be able to maintain the sense of inner peace throughout 2021 when things start to open back up. But I am working on, again, keeping up certain practices, meditation, more water, more teas, definitely prioritizing my sleep. That's first and foremost. Um, and also improving my spirituality has been really wonderful. Just gratitude, meditation, prayer, reflection, journaling, um, just taking, you know, getting into a spiritual practice has been really helpful for me and helps to balance out all of the sort of physical root chakra things that I have to do on a day-to-day -day life. And we're going to be putting it in that terms. So that was really helpful. Then Creative Uni wasn't really like on fleek this year, but I did get to read a lot more, which I really love and appreciate. So I read a total of 13 books, um, which included, I'm just going to pick out the ones that I love the most. Um, Shonda Rhimes' Year of Yes, How to Dance It Out, Stand in the Sun, and Be Your Own Person. Um, I also redid her TV writing class, which is what I needed to kind of get my year started because, you know, Year of the TV Writer. I also read Moonology by Yasmin Boland. I love that Moonology book. I'm a Cancer, so anything having to do with the moon, moonscapes, moon, whatever, I'm in love with and love her book. It's just so great. Um, what else did I read? Deep Work by Cal Newport. Love that book. So Good They Can't Ignore You by Cal Newport. Love that book. There are some parts of it that feel a little bit elitist and out of touch, but for the most part, I love the message and um, I think that he has a lot of really great advice to go on. Choose F.I., probably my favorite, my most favorite book of the year. Um, Choose F.I., Your Blueprint to Financial Independence by Chris Mamula, <clears throat> Bra Barrett, and Jonathan Mendoza. In the Q4 Roundup podcast, I talked about this book, but I'm just going to quickly kind of recap. Um Financial independence is really about taking those opportunities to develop your life in the way that is the most fruitful and value-based for you. So figuring out how you can become financially independent so that you can, if you want to live a life of travel, you can do that. If you want to have your own business, you can do that. 
But it's not really all this woo-woo platitude stuff where they say, if you follow your dreams, life will be great and all your dreams will come true. They're not really on that level. They're much more practical. They deal with how to do your taxes. They deal with how to invest and which investments are best for you. They deal with how to avoid financial traps, how to um, look into what your values are versus, you know, what you choose to buy or what you choose to engage in. Like, are you willing to sacrifice certain things like eating out every day or what have you because you prefer to live a more value-based life of cooking at home and saving all that eating out money for traveling or what have you? That They give you very practical advice to achieving financial independence. And um, it's the advice that I'm going to be following for the next 20 years of my life, God willing, if I'm, if I'm meant to be here for that long, crossing my fingers. Um, the book was so good that I'm reading it twice. That is my favorite. It's my favorite book. It underscores a lot of what I already believe while also teaching me with an entire book a whole bunch of stuff that I don't know or that I didn't know teaching me how to apply my values and my philosophies in a practical way so that I can live the life and have the business and have the creative modes of expressions that I desire while also not sacrificing certain things like comfort, financial um, wealth, and um, just the ability to be there for my daughter and my family. Love, love, love that book. Um, and then I also read Getting It Right, An Insider's Guide to a Screenwriting Career by Lee Jessup. So I started off with like, started the year off with TV writing and like, t and life mindset with Shonda Rhimes. And then I capped my year with Lee Jessup, who was amazing. So both amazing, powerful, incredible women in the field of film and television. And it just sort of put a nice set of bookends to my year of the TV writer um, and novelist, which I love. So that was that for my reading list. I also learned a lot about gardening and I'm going to actually use this as an opportunity to transition into my hobbies and all the fun stuff that I did during 2020 because I had time, right? So first thing that I um, did more of was, like I said, getting into more like um, moonology, like occult spiritual stuff. <laughs> I know the first thing you guys saw on this was like witch, right? But if you look closer, it's not me trying to become a witch. It's called the witch tarot deck. So I've been super into tarot, um, and into card reading for this year. It's just really fun. Um, and it's a really nice way to reflect on things that you might not have reflected on. Um, and it's just learning a whole new, skill set. I don't know if this is a skill set that I'm going to be using in any significant way, but this is a skill set that one of my characters uses in Books of Ezekiel. So this is a nice little character study as well. And I just really enjoyed playing around with these. I have now like 10 sets of cards, um, different cards for different things, whether it's like dealing with tarot or gems, crystals, not gems, <laughs> crystals or um, animals, you know, spirit animals. That was really, really fun. Another hobby I picked up, and for those of you who are on the podcast, you can't see any of these things and I'm sorry, but I am super into paint by numbers, y'all. Look at this. I mean, it makes me look like freaking Picasso, 
without me having any experience whatsoever. And I freaking love it. I got this particular paint by number set from craft-ease.com. And I've already completed one. This is the second one I'm working on. And there's a third one that's waiting for me. Um, I also found on AliExpress.com that they have paint by numbers canvases as well that are not as expensive <laughs> as CraftEase.com. But got into painting. I love it. It's amazing. And it's a new hobby that I'll keep under my wing for the rest of my life, just like with tarot cards. Um, another thing that I super got into, especially because we were in a dystopian sort of space and a space of death and hardship was gardening. I took two gardening classes online and learned a lot about self self subsistence and just growing your own food and gardening, independent gardening, urban gardening as like an as as a political act really um and as a subversive act in a world that was filled with death and uncertainty. Um to me, planting a seed in a world of death is a slap in death's face. That's how I felt about it. And just growing something or learning how to grow something and committing to growing something and creating and cultivating life felt like a very restorative, subversive political act also I was thinking a lot about how our supply chain had been interrupted this year and what would happen if we couldn't go to the stores or couldn't get certain supplies. And I decided right then and there that I would never be caught in a situation ever again where we got cut off from our food sources or any kind of supply sources. So I started the process of learning more about gardening, learning more about having a homestead, which I am now committed to. Um, I might not be able to have my whole homestead now, but I do eventually want to eventually, like down the line, move down south um, and have a homestead, even if it's a mini one. I don't care as long as it's my little own homestead. And I'm going to start, though, by growing my own garden here and now. So I took this year to do a lot of research, to get um, supplies and things of that nature. And as of the first frost date of 2021, I'm gonna be starting my own garden. And I'm really excited about that. So that's another hobby that I got into that's gonna become another life skill. The other thing that I super got into was um, I got back into cooking a little bit more and I was even looking and subscribing to uh, Julia Child's The French Chef love that show it's on um amazon prime i think through a subscription through the smithsonian or through the pbs channel it's 2.99 a month but um it's like all of her cooking shows and uh like five or so years ago i learned how to make a boeuf bourguignon through that show it was like a free episode on youtube and it came out so good that when I decided that I was going to get back into cooking more, I just subscribed to that show again because I followed her directions to the letter and it just came out amazing. So I did a lot of that. I also um, dabbled a little bit in trying to get back into pie making. Didn't really achieve that this year, but I certainly will work on that for next year. Um, 
I also went on my very first camping adventure. Guys, you would have, if you had seen the podcast a few months ago, you probably would have uh, noticed that I talked about it. But it was my very first camping trip and now I know how to do it. So I learned how to um, build a fire, how to um, use products that we generally throw out to kind of MacGyver my way through the woods. Um, I learned more about nature. I learned how to pitch a tent. We explored some ruins, which was really fun. Um, I learned a little bit how to navigate a trail. I ate my very first s'mores because I had never had a s'mores in my life. Um, and it was like the weekend of July 4th. So we got to see the full moon and that was really nice. Um, I also survived my first night in the rain in a wet sleeping bag that taught me a lot of very hard life lessons. Like don't leave your tent open at any point in time ever because there might be a sudden rainstorm and you suddenly might have everything get wet. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was wonderful. And I learned lessons also like cutting weight, how to cook in nature, how to pack things in, how to pack things out. I was hiking with a 50 pound bag. It was my very first camping hike, not my first hike ever, but I had deliberately underpacked, but then I got unfortunately loaded with other people's stuff, which turned my pack into like a 50 pound bag for no reason. So that was really rough. And I lost like three pounds in that weekend alone, but I was looking cut though. It was, it was great. So that was really wonderful um, in terms of just getting out of a city that's filled with, again, death and disease and getting into nature and just Reconnecting, although one can argue that a virus is a part of nature, but there are more beautiful parts of nature that I wanted to indulge in <laughs> at that point in time. Um, and I also, most recently, I'm going to show you guys this as well. Uh, I invested in a record player. Okay, I'm super excited about this. Hold on a second. Let's see if I can show you guys. Again, this is for people who are watching the video, not listening to the podcast. Oh my gosh. Love this record player. It looks like I haven't used it, but I have. I'm just super amped about keeping this um, like as protected and as new as possible. Um, and I decided to pick one that was not only affordable, but also that um, kind of displayed my personality. So there's a map on here. Um, and that's very me because I love to travel and I consider myself a very eclectic, diverse person of a diverse mindset with a diverse set of experiences who wants to experience more diversity, especially when the COVID restrictions lift. So as soon as they lift, your girl will be traveling. Super excited about that. But I also, on top of all of that, started my first record collection. So what came along with investing in record player, in a record play, excuse me, um, was like the birth of this new obsession with collecting vinyls. And so, you know, like I said, guys, I'm a cancer, so naturally we're super nostalgic and I have just been overwhelmed with nostalgia and now also overwhelmed with developing a record collection that is worthy of this awesome record player. And I am happy to announce 
that I have started off with the best of the best. So my first one is Nina Simone. It comes with a really pretty light blue record and I'm not gonna take it out because I don't wanna smudge it. That's how crazy I am with my records. Evanescence is Fallen, which is um, my first, the first rock album that I ever really listened to in any sort of like real capacity. And that kicked off my love of rock, both alternative and heavy metal and everything in between. Like, so this is a really important, emotionally and psychologically important record to have in my collection. And then of course, we're gonna have the best of Sade, all right? Because I grew up on Sade, love it. And I have to open this for you because this is really an amazing, oh my gosh, just look at that, hold on. I gotta open it because one great thing about collecting vinyls is that you get to experience all this amazing vinyl cover art and sleeve art. So look at that. What a lovely sort of color combination, right? It's incredible. And then look at the interior. Yeah, so this is one of the best parts about collecting records. Really incredible. And then of course, Michael Jackson's Bad, but it's like the 25th anniversary, like deluxe edition of Bad. And it comes with six vinyls. And it has this amazing, oh my gosh, just look at this y'all. How incredible is this? Okay, this amazing interior art with Michael Jackson, Quincy Jones, and a lot of amazing pictures of him, his family, I guess his childhood, his recording partners, just amazing. And then you cannot have a complete starter collection without the glorious, the amazing, the goddess, the diva, Aretha Franklin. All of her top hits, her greatest hits, some of my favorite songs, amazing. So this is officially kicked off a very, very deep obsession with collecting vinyls. And so that's another, I guess, hobby that I picked up during quarantine. So 2020 has been a real struggle for a lot of us, you know, for myself included in certain areas. But there are ways in which I was fortunate enough to develop these new hobbies and to incorporate these wonderful things in life. Um, and I really strongly encourage you guys to do the same thing if you can. Um, 2020 is over, thankfully. Like I said, today is New Year's Day. And I hope that a lot of you will be able to take the opportunity to develop new hobbies, develop new loves, jump into the things that you do enjoy, especially if you have seen the way in which COVID has ravaged your community you are extremely lucky to be alive. You might not feel it, especially if you lost a lot of people, but you are lucky to be alive. And now more than ever is the time to live and to create and to write and to keep it indie, okay? So having said all of that, y'all, I am finally signing off. I am tired <laughs> and I'm gonna be um, recording, rather editing this podcast down and posting it today, but back posted as though I posted it yesterday because I'm trifling like that. 
And um, I will see you guys in the next podcast with my 2021 creative goals for this coming year. That's going to be posted no later than Sunday. And I look forward to seeing you guys over there. I hope that in the meantime, you guys are also leaving 2020 in the past and trying to form new goals for yourself, both for the new year and also your personal new year, which is your birthday, whenever that might be. All right, y'all. Love you guys lots. Stay safe. Keep writing. Keep creating. Keep it indie. And I'll talk to you guys next time. Bye.